morning. Good morning. I don't know about the rest of you, but last night somewhere below my house, somewhere of the city of Red Bank or a neighbor, we had a wonderful reenactment of the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I think we won. <laughs> I'm not sure. It went on for about 45 minutes. I think we shot every firecracker known to man during that period of time. So, yeah, happy fourth to everyone in that respect. This morning we want to answer a question, or I should say ask and try our best to answer a question. Simply this, we've just got through singing the hymn, but the question we want to ask is, is it well with our soul? And when you think about that question, you realize it is one which only each individual can answer for themselves. I can't answer for you and you cannot answer for me. We might be able to see in the lives of others things that they are doing that would give us an understanding of where in our mind we might think their soul may be. But we realize only each of us know where we will spend eternity when this life is over. And we need to realize that if, if our soul is well and we feel like everything's going good and we're walking with God... It, there's the times we need to be encouraged and strengthened to continue to go forward. But if you realize that you're not doing as well as you should, your soul is not living up as it, as it should to the standard of a God's Word, then you know something needs to be corrected. Something needs to help you to move forward, as we all well know. We realize, and when you answer that, ask that question and look for an answer, one of the best things we know of for an absolute fact is the Word of God is the best book for encouragement in this respect. We can read books of others that would help us. We can read of their life examples of what they may or may have been through, not been through and how they cope with it to keep moving forward as a child of God. Yet in spite of all of that, the best encouragement is still the Word of God. To, the, to a child of God, it teaches us that we're walking in God's light. And it's doing so that there's peace within ourselves because we are. But if we're not walking, then this great book called the Bible gives you encouragement, help, and understanding of how to become a child of God or as a child of God who's grown weak, what to do to put your soul right back where it should be with God. The text morning is from 3 John, the first four verses. John writing this book to a friend by the name of Gaius. He simply says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I have, I, I was overjoyed when brothers came and testified to your truth, that is how you're walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in truth. Now notice in that statement, John simply says, beginning while with Tegaeus, I'm glad to hear that you are in good health. And when you think about it, at the time John is writing, we realize that understanding medicine wasn't nowhere near what it is today. And we can kind of gather by what we've read by history and by what we find the Word of God that being healthy in that day and time was really a wonderful thing to have. So John says unto him, I am glad to hear that your health as a whole is good. 
But notice something here. He says beyond that, but I am even more overjoyed to hear that your soul is prospering. Notice within that John is telling unto Gaius, hearing that your soul is prospering is more important to me and of greater news than the fact that you have good health. And so as he begins this marvelous thing, he recognizes that and emphasizes the fact of his happiness from hearing so. Now, we've just got through singing that old song, It Is Well With My Soul. If you ever get a chance sometime, sit down and read the person who wrote that song and why he wrote it. It will really help you in that respect for sure. But when you ask yourself, is it well with my soul, we must first of all ask some questions. First of all, we must ask ourselves, is God in control of your life? Number one, is God in control of your life? And we ask that to ask this question, have you ever been or felt out of control? Not a good feeling, is it? Not a good feeling whatsoever. In our world today, we have more people who treat you for mental health than to do for your physical health because we're living in a time where more people mentally are out of control than they've ever been in their lives. It's almost shocking what we see every day and hear every day in that respect. But it is a very scary and, and for a moment a very frightening thing to find yourself for a moment being out of control. Some examples of which, a lot of people have a fear of flying. One of the main reasons, not only fall out of the sky, but the, one of the main reasons is they're not, they're not flying the airplane themselves. They want to be in the cockpit. They want to fly. In their mind, then, by them doing so, they feel they arrive more safely than if somebody else is doing so. In the real world, we can look at it this way. Do you trust your spouse driving? <laughs> we know the answer. Why? You're not in control. We all understand that. It is a frightening thing. But at the same time, we realize and do not want to be out of control. We realize there are times in our lives when life can get out of control. Perhaps things are not going well on your job. Maybe it's beyond your control that things have gotten out of hand and you feel like you feel lost and you feel frightened because you realize this is happening and it wasn't my fault and but I have nothing I can do to straighten up and I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job or if worse, get demoted down to something less than what I'm doing at the moment. And so we worry about that. We also worry about the fact that we have family at times who makes who are in the process or have made bad decisions that have ruined their lives for not only for a short period of time or for the rest of the lives they've been ruined. And you realize you have to put up with this and listen to it because others tend to remind you, wasn't that your cousin or brother or whatever that doesn't so? And you're constantly reminded of the fact that some of your family is not in control of themselves and they've done something that is horrible. Perhaps we don't like what the government's doing. We need say no more. What can we do? 
though, when we feel like life is out of control. Remember, God is in control. Notice Hebrews 1 and verse 3. There it simply says, upholds all things by the word of His power. Now, notice in that reading there, that is in the present tense, which simply means He is continually holding up all things by the word of His power. Not a one-time action. Not something that happened in the past that God's tired of and quit doing. He is continuing up all things by the word of His power. And how powerful is His word? Look around us. We are all created by the word of His power. Everything we see on this earth. We now know of His power. And He still upholds it. Listen to Colossians 1 beginning with verse 16. For by Him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things, notice again, hold together. Present tense, continually holding together. God is in control has been ever since he said, let there be light until the day the trumpet is blown and this whole thing comes to an end on the day of judgment. God is in control of things and never has let it up. To us, we can look at Isaiah 40. There in verse in the verses between 28 and 31, he simply reminds us this. His understanding is what? Unsearchable. Why? He gives strength to the weary. And to the one who lacks might, he increases power. Notice again, in the present tense. That is, he is able to continually strengthen us. He is able to continually give us power to live our lives on this earth. How? You have it in your hand. His word. We know how powerful his word may be. Knowing. Knowing. And actually, at times, reminding ourselves to know that God is in control of all things brings peace to our lives. It means simply, in this sense, I don't have to have all the answers. God is in control. It also means that God will deal the choices of others, whatever they are, good or bad. He'll handle it. And regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens, God will take care of me if I seek Him first. From Matthew chapter 6. He might add, notice that if I continue to put Him first, throw in 1 John 1 verses 7 through 10. The wonderful paragraph of if. The wonderful paragraph of if. God is in control. God will take care of it no matter what it is, if I seek Him first. Paul's attitude ought to be ours every day. I can do all things through whom? Christ, who strengthens me. Yes, is it well with your soul? First of all, is God controlling your lives through this? Through that marvelous Word. 
The next one we want to look at is found in Romans 8 and 28. We all know the verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, those who, those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. In other words, we simply realize all things work together for good. It is hard at times to seek good in a bad situation. It is hard because for the moment we're concentrating on that which is bad. That which is causing harm, whatever it may be, if it's to us individually or if it's to us as a country or is it to us as a world or to a community, whatever it may be. It's hard to see good coming from things that are in a bad situation. Why? Because we are focused on that which is bad. Look at the news. 30 minutes of a night on your nightly news and that much of it's on something good. (laughs) The rest of it, you know the story. I don't have to go any further. We focused upon everything is bad. We worry about things that hadn't even happened. I've got, I've known people in the past who've got themselves all worked up over something in their mind. They already see a catastrophe coming because of some event that happened and they've already got everything wiped out and nothing's even started. Because we are focused on that which is bad. Our problem is we forget. We forget that God will take care of these things. That all things do work together for good. We need not to forget that. Because we're so focused on the bad, we forget that God will handle. An example, we all know the story. We all know about Joseph. We all know his brothers hated him. We all know his brothers contrived to kill him. But the oldest brother said, no, we, we can't do that. So they sold him as a slave into Egypt. We know the story through his enslavement in the potter's house and so forth as he was sold as a slave to there and he ended up in prison. We all know the story. We all know that finally he was finally re- uh, a released from prison when he was the only one in all of the land who's able to interpret the, fa- the dream that Pharaoh had and Pharaoh made him second command of everything in the land of Egypt. Everything. Remember though, this one thing. What did he say to his brothers? In Genesis 50 and verse 20, he said, After you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. You meant to destroy me. You meant to get me out of your way. Get me out of your lives. You even made up the lie that made my, my dad think I was killed by some ravenous wild animal. You did away with me in your mind. You walked away, said it's over with. We got rid of Joseph. He's gone. Uh, but you see, God turned it around. And Joseph God meant it for good. And you're here today basically to get grain to eat because God did the good. God did the good. The greatest example of all, considering this for a moment, that all things work together for good, has to be the life of our Savior. 
when you think about it for a moment, born in humble beginnings, as we all well know through his life, as he taught and preached throughout the area of all the way through Palestine. He was despised and rejected by a lot of people, and mostly the hierarchy of the Jews couldn't stand him. His teaching was tearing up their playhouse, and they couldn't take it. They couldn't stand it. They plotted and planned, tried every way they could to entrap him, never were able to do so. And finally they came up with a scheme and it worked and they had him sent before Pilate and you know the rest of the story. They were the ones who set it up. It is the Roman soldiers who beat him beyond recognition. Now we know... We see in movies when they have the crucifixion, they beat him a little bit and send him off with a few stripes. The Bible says he was beaten beyond recognition. And then crucified. And then crucified. The hark of the Jews, we're through with him. He's dead and gone. He'll bother us no more. We can get our playhouse back into order. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? We know the good came from it because God raised him up. And we are here today who are God's children as a result of what happened on that Sunday morning. God always does which is right and that is good. We also got to remind ourselves when we're asking, is it well with my soul? Troubles are temporary. There's an old spiritual that states simply all God's children has trouble, got troubles. Everyone in life has some troubles at times in their life. There's not a person who's ever lived who, who can ever say, never had a day in my life had any trouble. Uh, that person ain't telling the truth. We've all, it may not be as great as some others that other people's troubles have been in their lives, but yet everyone has faced troubles in life, and we will as long as we live on the face of this earth. It's not going to change. Because there are going to always be disagreement with our friends. There are going to be disagreements with neighbors, if nothing else, over the property line or a fence they put up, or the fact they mowed your yard instead of their own, or whatever it may be that neighbors get in a fight about, or even the fact that we get in trouble with their families. And fight among them. Nowadays we live in a time when people are all scrambling and fighting over what? Money. <laughs> the great almighty dollar. People are worrying of death about the fact that they're, they're, they're got themselves in trouble with their finances. In other words, they spend out more than they take in. So they're deeply in debt and they begin to worry. Troubles are temporary. Some people have just simply basic problems. We simply call them as food, clothing, and shelter. Those at times who've lost their homes, whether it be through a financial loss, they've had to leave their home, or they caught on fire and burnt ground. You know, any number of things can happen. So the basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter for that moment of time is important to them. We don't have to mention about diseases, do we? and the toll they bring. And on top of that, in the last two weeks, we have faced that old fellow called death. So these are the problems we have to go with. 
These are the problems in life that we face every day. But the Bible teaches us this marvelous encourager, this marvelous book teaches us that troubles are temporary. And probably the best verse is verses of example is found written by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning with verse 16, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outer man, outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We couldn't have said it any better. No words that we could have come together come any better than what the Apostle Paul said right there. This life is temporary. Problems are temporary. Things that happen are temporary. They're all going to come to an end. Why? Because God will take care of it. And troubles will soon end. Remember another one, another verse of this that reminds us of this is the fact that when we do have diverse temptations come upon us and troubles in life, as Paul, as James told his brethren, as he begins his marvelous book, he says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Troubles are temporary. Troubles only last for a period of time and they go away. But James reminds us to consider it joy when we've encountered fair's trials. Why, James? We know the answer. It gives us a better understanding of what we face in life, what our Savior went through when He was here with us. And so when we have troubles and we pray to Him, we realize He knows and understands these troubles and problems because as the old saying is, He walked with us in our shoes and He knows. Troubles are just temporary. But the result of all of this is simply victory. How does it feel when you know your team's going to win? Makes you feel good, don't it? Makes you feel fantastic that they're going to win. Makes no difference if it's your football team or a baseball team or whatever. It makes you feel good when they're going to win. You ever been in, been at a game that you knew your team was going to win? Feel good. You get to leave there with a smile on your face. Our team won today. In that respect. You've ever played the game in which you know you're going to win. Feels good, doesn't it? 
feels good when you know you're going to win that game. You already see ahead of time as everything begins to move forward. Hey, wait a minute, I've got this. Yeah, that's the right, oh, that's the perfect move. Yeah, this is it. I've won the game with this, with this particular move or this combination of things. I'm going to win. Why? To every person, winning brings peace of mind. Peace of mind. Think about it for a moment. Is that not true? If you lose, you always want to know what I did. What did I do wrong to lose? How did I miss that? You question it over and over again. If you win, oh, you feel so good you won. You don't care how you won in some cases. In the back of your mind, it's just fact you just did. You feel good. But this encourager, this encourager tells us we are going to win. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's mighty resurrection chapter ends it by simply saying, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. John went as far and even said it even better in 1 John 5 and 4, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the victory, our faith in God. Our faith in His Word. Our faith that He will overcome. Our faith in our prayers that we utter to Him and His answers. And takes care of all things that may be bothering us. This is it. Because the end of this life means victory to a child of God, we can truly be at peace with ourselves, with our soul. On that great resurrection morning, to be able to enter a city that is totally beyond description, is beyond all comprehension. But that is our victory. That is what God has promised us if we remain faithful to Him. But the question is this morning, only which you can answer for yourself is, is it well with your soul? Only you know the answer to that question. Only you can answer it completely and rightly. The question is, will you be honest with yourself and answer it accordingly? Or will you sit there and lie to yourself? That is totally your decision. But this morning, if you're not a child of God, as we've said and continue to say, everything is ready. Waiting simply for you to obey that blessed commands to become a child of God. Come repenting of the way you've been living your life. Come confessing before all He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And to be buried in baptism to raise that walk, that new, new life. As Paul was reminded in Acts 22 and 16, as well as Acts 2.38. Everything is ready. This morning, if you're a child of God, and you realize that your life is not right at this moment with God, that if you leave this world today, heaven would not be your home.
Here's an opportunity to ask God's forgiveness. He's promised you that He will. And that He will only, if you come to that repentant, he will, he will forgive. And the best part is He will forevermore forget. Think on this as while together we stand and while we sing.